Welcome to Subject to Change with Stephen Lentz. I interview business owners and execs and take a look at who they are, what they do, and where they come from. There's no script. We talk about our businesses, passions, and anything else we want to. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz, and today I'm talking with Hank Dearden, Executive Director of Forest Planet. How are you doing, Hank? I'm great. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. For everyone listening, we're both in Washington, but the other coast of Washington. So Hank's uh, three hours ahead in the future of me in DC while I'm over by the Seattle area. But, but Hank, I'm curious. I mean, Washington State's known for being very eco-friendly, but I am not familiar with Forest Planet. I would love to know more about it. So what is Forest Planet? Okay, great. Thank you for having me today. So we're based in Washington, DC. We're a 501c3 um, organization, NGO, non-governmental organization that um, we're based here, but our operations are around the world. Uh, we're committed to helping uh, support uh, forest restoration projects uh, where they have the greatest benefit on the soil, the local ecology, um, the uh, microclimate, the local fauna, and then of course the, uh, the, 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 macro, uh, the macro environment. So we're going to get the best, best bang for our buck, you know, that uh, along all those uh, categories, uh, um, of how you want to maybe uh, register success for the project. But that's what we do. We're kind of a connector organization. My background is actually in business development, marketing, sales. I used to have an ad agency. So I'm kind of an entrepreneurial communications biz dev kind of guy. But what's needed on the planet is connectors between, um, if you will, dollars from the developing world channeled properly into sorry, dollars from the developed world, industrial world, us, channel properly to projects that are up and running and doing a good job and have proven themselves in the developing world where that dollar goes very, very far. And in so doing, um, you can check an awful lot of boxes in terms of impact on the local societies and then the, uh, and then just the global, global climate, you know, one tree at a time, as we say here, um, you know, trees planted anywhere help everyone everywhere. So it almost doesn't matter where they're planted as long as it's done properly. No, it makes total sense. And like you said, it's done in those other less developed countries just because you get more bang for the buck then. Correct. And, you know, there's multiple bangs for the buck because it's, and sometimes I'll say we're like an economic development organization masquerading as an environmental one. But obviously, you know, we're still environmental. A lot of people will support us because they uh, owe carbon sequestration and global climate change, which is true and it's great. That's fine. But I guess, uh, you know, so if you peel back the onion, you start to see, well, you know, it's a lot more than that because a lot of locations, it's soil um, revitalization in areas that have been racked by drought or fire or short-term farming uh, practices and the soil has been denuded, degraded, and the best machine, if you will, for bringing that back is the, you know, the water retention and root systems of trees that can revitalize soils that now make them arable so that people can then grow their own crops and be self-sustaining. Um, and also there's the impact on the water cycle because in a lot of these places you do get rains, you know, not, not a ton, but you know, sort of rains in the various seasons and the key is to grab onto it and hang onto it as much as possible. Um, and if uh, degraded soils, i.e. dirt, uh, really just don't absorb it because they just don't have the, um, the porosity and all the other elements that go along with retaining the water, 
Um, when that happens, uh, you want to hang on to the water and direct that water into the aquifers, into the wells. And then what I say is, is that look, you know, with, with, with trees, you got, you know, with trees, you got a lot of options, not the least of which is water retention, because obviously if these communities don't have water, then they're all refugees, they have to leave. And so then you get like this horrible domino cascade of, you know, social dislocation and all that moving and all the problems that go with it. And people, I mean, every every week you, you hear about, you know, there was another boat full of refugees that drowned in the Mediterranean or some terrible thing. Um, and I would bet, you know, a nickel that pretty much all of them in their home areas is either war and or famine or usually some kinds of drought or lack of water and lack of resources. So, I mean, it's all, there's a million different fascinating things about that. Yeah. And my initial thought that keeps coming back to me is like the, the chain of custody, if you will, of like how it happens with being like, Hey, I want to plant some seeds. Right. So I'm like, Hey, here's, you know, $20. I'm interested in what you're doing in Zambia or, you know, pick a spot on the globe and throw a dart. Yep. Like, how does, how do you plant there? Do you just like have someone out there in, you know, X country that just throws some seeds on the ground or do you have to like get land or what does that whole process look like? Okay. How, yeah, how no. Um, so absolutely not. Never. I never throw seeds anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I do is I work with existing organizations that are up and running that already have the mechanisms sort of sorted out in their area. So for example, just this past year, I went to Tanzania, not far from Zambia. Um, where we've been supporting a group there for the past few years. And it's a locally grown group, Friends of Usambara Society, they do great work. They're not far from Kilimanjaro, that part of the world, not far from Kenya, um, but very beautiful. And um, plenty of areas where uh, they need to revitalize uh, soil and put trees back. Um, and they already know this and they've been doing this. So um, when I'm finding tree planting partners, I say, listen, you need to be up and running. Uh, for five years, um, 10 million trees. I've got a third party organization that vets you, um, that checks, does the back actor check. If I'm supporting a particular area, you got to give me the GPS coordinates. And I have a third party outfit that's a um, aerospace company based in Madrid, believe it or not, but they have an amazing satellite monitoring capability where if you give them GPS envelope polygons, they can do a tree count not just take a picture of it and they can do all kinds of measurements of what, what's on the ground there now. So I can sit here in Washington DC with Olympian remove and sort of track what the heck's happening. doesn't mean I don't want to visit, which I do because I do and I did. Um, but the way these tree planting partners typically work is, is that they have kind of like a hub and spoke model with, when it comes to uh, nurseries and nurseries are the game changers where they take the seeds and they uh, put them like in little uh, half sacks and they pack them in um, with the right soil combination to get the seedling going and get it healthy. So depending on the species, the seedling can be anywhere from three, six, nine inches tall before it's ready to be what we call outplanted. And now when that seedling is planted in the field, that's a tree, that's the definition of a tree. Not like we threw a seed in the ground in a field somewhere and hope for the best. That's not a tree. A tree is a seedling. So when that happens, you're talking 90, 95% survival rates. And then of all, of course, there's also, you know, method of the madness in terms of 
what kind of species you're putting where, depending on the soil, depending on the water, depending on the agenda, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's definitely a, a program going on. Um, and with my particular tree planting partners, they've already defined this program. It's not a program that I create. I help them find the money. So 95% of their bandwidth is actually planting the trees. And at Forest Planet, we're a connector organization. I sort of tap into my history of uh, marketing and business development and PR and gong banging or whatever it takes to get the word out that this is inexpensive, it's fast and it's effective and it works. And I've got the facts to prove it. So that's that's my agenda. So it's a funding environmental campaign essentially is what Forest Planet does and just connects the money to the need. Exactly. And you know, um, that that's an art all by itself, right? So I, you know, I play to my strength when I, when it, that's my core competency. When it comes time to plant the tree, I write a check to people who already know what they're doing. But I, I, there's an, a group, I think it's like an environmental law organization. I remember that they were promoting themselves uh, for years and they were saying, you know, because the world needs a good lawyer, right? And that was their, 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 their jingle, their angle, their angle, which was great. And it occurred to me that, you know, what the world needs also is a good sales guy. And a lot of people kind of wrinkle their nose at that. <laughs> but that's exactly what it needs. These organizations are great. There's a, there's a, you know, in Tanzania, I stood in the middle of a, of a nursery with no joke, 12 million seedlings in it. Sort of like sitting there kind of like, you know, warming in the bullpen, if you were, right? Screaming at me collectively saying, put me in coach, raise the money to get me outplanted from this nursery into the field. Because even though we visited like four planting sites that we had helped support, we saw dozens more just in that one little part of Tanzania. You know, there's, there's, there's so much more work that needs to be done. So that's, that's where the need is, is the tangible money. And some of these people who are working are, are very happy. And again, in the developing world, spending a whole day long, just carrying seedlings out into the field. But this time the field is like almost not exactly vertical, but maybe a 45 degree angle hike up into a mountain where we got side where we go. It was about 160,000 seedlings. It took 30 people three weeks. So just, you're not driving up there. Helicopters yeah. out of the question. Human beings walked up there. And at the end of the day, each one of them were given 10,000 Tanzanian shillings, right? Which was good money. Well, that's $4.20 a day. And they're happy with it. So I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just what it is that it, it worked out that, you know, everybody's happy. You know, they got a job, trees got planted. That's going to be securing water for a well that's been drying up. And, you know, that's another 160,000 trees that'll absorb carbon, which will just make the planet just that much more incrementally cooler. Yeah, no, I mean, coming from, you know, the U.S., it's ridiculously inexpensive for a monstrous impact you know, within their lives and ecology. It, it, it is, huge. it really is. And, and it works and it's not like it's a quick fix. Like I took the money, we all went to Tanzania, we handed it out, we, you know, hung out on the porch and smoked ganja. No, we worked, <laughs> you know, they're working. 
uh, trees are getting planted. And then I got the satellite image to prove it because they're slowly and steadily turning greener. That's super cool. How old is Forest Planet? Five years and a half. We incorporated in 2017. It took all year to get the 501c3 uh, because understandably the government's very touchy about, okay, you're sending money overseas. How do you know that it's not going into the, to the wrong accounts? To which I say, I don't because I don't know how to vet them, but I have a third party company that does. That's all they do. So I'm kind of like the, uh, the spider at the middle of the web here. And I've got a particular vendor through which all money is transferred and they're completely above board or US based and they do nothing but monitor these types of things. Uh, like I said, the Spanish company does the satellite and I've got a tree planting partner in Tanzania, in Morocco, hopefully soon in Haiti and within the next year or two, Indonesia and India. That's super cool. Thank you. So, so ultimately, I'll be able to tell you uh, maybe a year from now, I'll be able to say, hey, Stephen, the sun never sets on Forest Planet. <laughs> yeah, no, legitimately. How did you get involved with Forest Planet? Well, I was at another NGO uh, off and on doing, quite frankly, quite similar work. They had in-house program, uh, but I was um, multiple hats uh, off and on. And it was, um, let me just say, it was a frustrating experience. The last hat I had was effectively COO. So I was running the back office and business development part. And um, let's just say there was a group of people who uh, in the field were great, but in the office, it was, you know, people should just give us money. I'm like, no, people will never give you money <laughs> because you have a, have you have a good mission. Like, you know, anybody could start anything. You have to, you have to sell and you have mm -hmm. to have business processes. And then they look you in the eye and say, but we're not a business. We're a mission-based organization. Yeah. And like, forget it. You're, you're kind of doomed. So there, there was a lot of headbutting going on there because I really thought that was my last job and I was going to help them scale from a, you know, one or $2 million organization, which they'd been for decades. Like, there was nothing standing between that and being a $100 million organization other than tightening up the business process and using the CRM and using you know, proper filing system, you know, basic business 101 stuff, mm -hmm. right? Well, I mean, I, it, I might as well have been tracking mud in on the carpet, you know? So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the sales mentality I find has, is a real anathema to a lot of nonprofits because they do have that idea of like, well, what I offer is great. So people should send money. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's to their detriment. And mm -hmm. the good ones get it that no matter what you're doing, you're selling. Yeah. And then not only that, you got to figure out what it is you're selling, right? So my, you know, it's, it's, my, it's my position that really my product, if you will, is not trees because the people paying for the trees very, you know, rarely if ever see them. Sure. Right. They're buying the story. Okay. That your money went here, went there, it this got moved up. These are the people. And this is like the result within two years. This is what's happening. Right. And I'm all about stories of success. Uh, very rarely will I sort of tap into, hey, support, you know, the world's going to hell, support us. Uh, you know, you know, sort of play on that kind of gloom and doom. Um, there's plenty of other people doing that. I don't need to do that. I think what people need to hear is, is that hey, we've got a solution. It's working. Do you want to be part of it? Because it's hopeful. So at the end of the day, my product is hope. 
That's it's brilliant, right? The high frequency versus low frequency, the way that you talk to people and attract them. Because that's, I mean, that's the donor you want, right? The one who's excited about your mission and wants to see you succeed and see impact on these people that are never going to meet in these communities that they're in. Yeah, and I think you know the old adage is that like you know if uh, you know people forget what you say, they might remember what you do, but you they'll never forget how you make them feel. Mm -hmm. So my agenda here is to pe make people feel good about their contribution by showing them facts, showing them results. So on our website, there's a bunch of uh, blog posts from our, our trip to Trans Tanzania uh, last year. We got a quarter million trees planted right before the rainy season and then we visited in june to all three of those sites plus another site where we planted two years ago uh, to really see the progress and talk to the people who did it and see the impact and like this is real this this is this is freaking real and i came back just you know actually more uh sort of charged up than ever saying listen yeah uh, give me the 15 bucks that's 100 trees i know exactly what that looks like that can change a life right here for, for decades. I mean, some of these people in these villages, I mean, it's it's sort of like a, you know, it was like a three-headed hydra we had in this one location where, yeah, there was degradation to the surrounding uh, hillside because people needed the wood and they needed the extra income because they were so economically deprived. So what they did was the first thing is to say, okay, we're gonna give out 68,000 trees and a lot of them are fruiting trees or some are long-term trees that are pine that they can then maybe cut down and then use for wood to shore up their homes. Their little homes do not have electricity, absolutely no plumbing. Irony is, is that everybody's got a cell phone, so they have to go to like one or two guys' houses that do have electricity and charge their phones. Um, but then fruiting trees like, like uh, avocados that have been properly grown in the proper way where they're germinated, and then they're um, uh, grafted properly such that they'll start fruiting within two or three years. And then that's in food security for their family, but also income security because they end up selling anywhere from 40 per 60% of the produce, which alleviates the economic pressure and necessity for them to wander up into the, the forest and cut down trees for some firewood and a quick buck. That's amazing. Right? They're all connected. So, some of these people getting like 100 trees. I mean, one guy, he said, this is life changing. He only got like 50 trees. You know, a bunch of them were avocados. A few of them were, um, forgive me, I do. I think it was fig. No, it wasn't fig. It was it was another fruiting tree. Uh, but then the pine trees, you know, he's patient. Yeah, he'll, yeah. in 10 or 12 years, he will harvest them uh, for wood for his house. But along so doing, he will also get the seeds from them and grow more. So he knows how to grow additional pine trees from the one that we gave him that was already, you know, six inches and seven inches and healthy from from, from the get go, uh, really pushing things in the right direction. That's so cool. That's, that's great. Have you always been environmentally minded? Or is this kind of a shift that came later on in your life? I think so. I mean, I remember writing up a, a paper in high school about we shouldn't use coal anymore, we should be using solar power. And uh, I'm dating myself. That was during the Carter administration when he put solar panels up on the roof of the White House in the 70s. And the first thing Reagan did when he came in was take them out. <laughs> That's the first thing he did. So I was like, as the engineer in me, because I was majored in math and engineering, we know how to add. And, you know, 
here, here's an analogy. I know we're on radio, but you know, out there in radio land, um, there's only so much atmosphere. It's finite. You, you can't just take a whole, you know, metric tons and tons and tons of carbon, burn it and chuff it into the atmosphere. You're going to run out of room, right? So what I ask people to do is imagine a basketball, you know, that's the globe, right? Now take a piece of note paper, fold it four times. So it's now four pieces of paper, right? That's put that next to the basketball. That's the thickness, the relative thickness of the atmosphere. There's not a lot of room, right? So yeah. it's math, <laughs> it's physics. You're gonna run out of room. We gotta figure out something else. And it's a very thin membrane. And on the other side of that very thin membrane, I mean, as you look up, you get a blue sky. It looks like it goes forever, right? No, you're just looking at water droplets. What you're really looking at is this vast, pitiless, empty void through the globe, <laughs> which is what it is. Hey, Frank, I'm just going to rock myself to sleep while I cry tonight. It's just <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I hate to burst your bubble. I mean, I love blue skies as much as anybody else, but I look up, it's kind of terrifying. Because that's that's it's just this itty bitty thin little four little sheets of paper that separate life on our planet from just just emptiness. I don't know why people want to go to freaking Mars or the moon. I honestly don't. You know, <laughs> we got water. We got we got air here. It's like got everything you need. Yeah. It's, <laughs> why am I going to the store? I got everything here. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Let's go to Mars. Let's colonize Mars. I'm like. F Mars is 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 as Bill Maher would say. <laughs> we, we got we, we got our we got our own um we got our own uh, uh act to clean up here big time. So what was your journey then from environmentally minded high schooler to executive director of Forest Planet? Did you go straight into NGOs or how did that work? Oh heck no, long and torturous, most of the time spent in uh, in the private sector business development for a semiconductor company and then for a couple of speech recognition companies. Um, uh, the best thing about going to engineering school is learning pretty early that I didn't want to be an engineer, but, <laughs> but I liked engineering. I liked the stuff that these people did. And I recognized that no, no matter how cool it was or how good their product was, it meant nothing that no one bought it. So, and that's a consultative sell. Um, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't think I could, you know, sell pens and erasers, something that didn't really have like a high information component to it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just more of a consultative kind of guy, but that was, and I really admire people who sell commodities because um, I don't think I could do that. But the higher end stuff, like the semiconductors they were selling and the speech recognition systems, and this was in the early nineties, way before Siri and way before, uh, you know, Alexa or any of these guys, when talking to computers scared the piss out of people, right? So you were bumping into that. So that was a, that's, that's a two hour, three beer story. Well, sure. I mean, you've seen Terminator, right? Like it's <laughs> computers will get you. They will. And it's like, you know, we would very user friendly systems that were designed for just these particular applications. And, you know, and, hey, you want to try it and you just watch people's shoulders go up and hunch and then their eyebrows and they just get terrified. Like it won't bite, dude. It's OK. But now it ain't no thing. You just walk into the room. Siri, turn the lights on. Siri, make toast you know extra extra crispy whatever um and then this thing called the internet came along and you know as someone said that that was a perfect repository for wayward um liberal arts majors <laughs> but it brought brought together communications marketing commerce and technology in a way that was really fun 
So um, I worked for some web development firms and then had my own agency for a while that was just doing media buying online. So yeah, you had to understand the technology, but you also had to understand what it is that you were selling and promoting and what your end goals were. So um, how, to, how, to, how to productize your, your message. So that was that was fun. And then IT and then back and forth and then worked for Solar City, believe it or not, selling um, solar panels. So it's um, multiple re reincarnations, but the good news is that I think um, I can tap into all those experiences now and bring them to the fore and bring them to bear to the benefit of uh, Forest Planet. That's very cool. So are you a founding member of Forest Planet or are they already established when you came on? No, I'm it. I, I am Forest Planet. You are Forest Planet. Yeah, I started it. I'm the founder and, you know, I'm the guy that invested his own money in it the first year and made no salary for three years to make it happen. Just now starting to turn the corner. We're sneaking up on our first millionth tree. So if you people out there in radio land want to help us get to a million, it's 15 cents a tree. Check us out. So that's so cool. That's very cool. How many people do you have in Forest Planet, the org? I, I'm sorry, how many people in the organization? Yep. Yeah. So again, it's still just me, but with a, a whole, like a whole satellite of different people doing different things. So, um, you know, I've got the, somebody helping with the, with, with new, with new media and certainly the tree planting partners. I've got two, hopefully four of them by the end of the next year around the world, actually planting the trees. I've got a communications manager. Everybody's sort of 1099, um, as necessary but uh, i'm going to try to keep it as lean and mean as possible because they keep our overhead down so we can keep it at 15 cents a tree that's so cool how did you decide on trees uh the, the fulcrum the leverage so in an engineering you're looking at a, a problem you walk into a complicated system whether it be a mechanical or a structural or a civil whatever it is usually there are some pressure points or pain points where a little bit of alleviation or a little bit of leverage here or there uh, goes a long way um, and uh, so that's just the mindset like you know what's what's the least what's the first thing I can do that gets the biggest return for the investment the quickest to help stabilize this mess right and if you just look at the mechanics of it uh, do the math trees are that because they revitalize soil and soil that is now been revitalized and can hold water will absorb carbon so when you're talking about carbon sequestration, there's the carbon that's in the in the biomass of the tree, both in the trunks and the root systems, right? And that's sort of easy to calculate, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, it, actually, it's not easy to calculate, you know, in, in my opinion. But then there's also the second order carbon uh, sequestration of all the bugs and the new things that are now living happily in the soil around the tree that were stimulated by the tree because the tree's holding water. Right. And that just sucks CO2 out of the air. That's very hard to calculate, but it's it's non-zero as well. So you get that impact, you get the water impact, you get the jobs impact, you get the nutrition impact, um, you get the social stability impact. And honestly, um, in a couple of ways, like A, people have to move. B, when there's when resources are scarce, um, families they take their kids out of schools like we need to you to walk four miles to get the water or we need you to go over there to collect the firewood right and the first kid that they do is the girl they take the girls out first right so if there's water if there's 
if there's access to food, if there's access to some basic survival stuff, just to get people away from the edge of desperation, then they can relax and then the kids don't have to do this kind of stuff and then they go to school. So it's getting the girls into school. That's a societal game changer around the world that we see. So it sounds like it's a long trip from trees to girls in schools, but it's actually not. Yeah, well, I mean, the economical social stability, I think is almost instantaneous. Right? Like money happens almost immediately and is life-changing immediately. The carbon factor, that's kind of what I'm a little curious about, or that is, you know, how, what is the difference that, you know, a seedling makes versus how long does it take to really mature and really start pulling out CO2? Well, actually both are on the order of a couple, three years right yeah so societal factors can happen quickly seedlings need to get to it, it, like for example those avocado trees they need to be you know two three years before they're fruiting right mm -hmm. but they can start holding water right away but like some of the uh, the trees that we planted in a water restoration project again that's a three to five year project to really start grabbing onto that water and channeling it down but still in the grand scheme of things i mean it took decades to get you know to make this mess and we'll get out of it in less than five um, but having said that, we just did something, um, it's on our website, the Quazizi site, two years ago at this time, uh, there was a whole hillside, it was about, I forget, let me see, 40, 45 hectares, I believe, um, it looked like Armageddon, you know, mm -hmm. there, there was fire, it was just, it was ravaged, it was whatever. Now, two years later, it's, it's Garden even of Eden, because the trees that we, 80,000 trees that we planted there two years ago, stabilize themselves pretty much in the first year such that last fall which was their spring because they're just south of the equator they were able to intercrop amongst the trees um corn potatoes onions beans whatever carrots uh because the water the, the the trees were holding the water so by this fall or this past spring i.e march right when food prices were skyrocketing because of the Ukraine issue situation, which is insane. Um, they're pulling big baskets of food out of this area that was a wasteland two years ago. That's really cool. And the story is on, on our website, the Quizizi site, and we got the satellites to prove it, you know, that, that showed it and it, it recognized it. But I went and visited, I stood on a hill and overlooked about 100 football fields worth of land and just 80,000 trees. And that was probably one of the biggest thrills of my life. That's that's super cool. So where can someone find this information? What's, For, what's forestplanet.org. Forestplanet.org, that's yep. phenomenal. And and if you're on Facebook, um, it's, 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 it's facebook.com, whatever it is, but our handle is actually go negative. One word, geo-negative, and uh, it might raise an eyebrow, like, what the heck are you talking about? Because we are a positive organization. We are, and but what we're doing is we're trying to go carbon negative. Carbon neutral is not good enough anymore. That's great. What is the, the tipping point for carbon negative? Well, what I do is, is per transaction. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I mean other people do lots of carbon calculations. And I tread upon that very delicately because I really don't. Because mm -hmm. um, I focus uh, when, when organizations, sometimes when organizations, businesses come to us, hey, we want to plant a tree for every order we, we place or for every product we sell. 
So for example, there's like a, a vodka product. If I can, let me know if I can name the brand. But anyway, they, they plant a tree with every bottle they sell, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, and I would submit that the carbon footprint of producing and delivering that transaction, that product, and every, everything is non-zero, of course, everything has a carbon footprint. I mean, but I would submit that the carbon offset of the tree is way, way bigger. So yeah. by consuming that particular product, you are de facto going negative. Well, and I mean, you think of it as longevity too, right? So like, oh, what is a tree to the bottle of vodka? But it's that tree is there year after year after year making that impact. So, you know, that one bottle, yes, it was a bottle that had that finite carbon footprint. This tree is offsetting constantly over time. So I think well, that's also a weird factor that is hard to calculate. Yeah, so, and then that is the calculation because when you're talking about trees, you're looking over the carbon over the lifetime. But again, usually people are just counting the biomass of the tree. So mangroves, are, people have done a lot of good study on mangrove trees. They're like the best. Are you familiar with them? I'm not super familiar with them. These are amazing creatures. I love them, love them, love them. These guys are on the shores. They're one of the very few species that can survive in salt and fresh water. Um, you certainly see them you know, in equatorial latitudes down in Florida, um, down in Mexico, where oh, have you. They're like the river trees, the like crazy roots that all the little animals hide in and stuff, right? Exactly. Like and that's okay. the other benefit because each the root systems for each one of those are like nurseries for crabs, fish, shrimp, what you want, everything. Alligators, crocodiles, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what you need. Actually, alligators and crocodiles are too big to get in there. So the smaller fish get in there to breed and grow where bigger predators can't get at them otherwise they'd get at them and then they would just chew through that food source and we would you would they would not have that food source at all so but they they sequester more carbon than anyone a lot of it's in the in the in the root system biomass because what it does is that it sucks co2 out of the air like crazy and then it exudes it out of the uh, root systems kind of like a they call it blue carbon kind of like a hyper carbonated you know super glue goo you know which kind of makes sense because these are right on the coast and they have they, they evolved in an area where the tides are coming in twice a day so who survives in this in an area like that well someone who can like bolt themselves to the ground which is what they're doing so that and that's anywhere from two three six meters deep that's gone. That is in the mud. And then what happens is that stimulates all kinds of other microbial activity that sort of, you know, follow that food chain up. And then you, you know, ultimately you get the tuna, right? But that's where it starts. That's hmm. uh, just fascinating. Well, I mean, Hank, we could talk about this all day, but is there anything that you wished I had asked you or that you wanted to revisit before we close out today? Well, so, I mean, people, um, People can donate and check us out at forestplanet.org. Uh, the other thing we're doing is, is that we're doing a little uh, event um, that's virtual um, and it's a movie screening. Uh, I, I curated a, or I found this great um, distributor and they have a great bunch of uh, environmental films. And I went through a whole bunch of them. And one was called uh, From Seed to Seed, which is a very good movie. It's uh, not got a whole lot of you know high profile play. But it's based on a bunch of it's about a bunch of organic farmers in Canada and it follows them throughout a whole season. And uh, we're streaming that over the course of a weekend, uh, November 4th through November 6th. 
Um, so 10 bucks that gets you access to that. The link is on our website and for every registration, we'll plant 50 trees. So you get to watch a good movie and prop your feet up and BYO popcorn and 50 trees get planted. And uh, so we help uh, getting the word out. That's very cool. And I mean, that just made me curious and you don't have to take time to answer if you don't want to, but have you partnered with other like super environmentally friendly celebrities like Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio or, you know, anyone who's done all the environmental work and is very into forestation? Would love to. I would love to if they're listening. I'm sure they are because you're Stephen Lentz, so I'm sure they're listening to you. Oh, you don't have to butter my bread, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man. Um, actually, we're about to announce one of our business partners does have a high profile investor um, and partner who is a name that you'd recognize um, and, and recognize as being a sustainable guy. I don't think it's public yet, but as soon as it is, we'll definitely uh, announce that out. So but that's just one I would love to talk to any of these people, all these people to help us uh, get the word out. That's cool. Well, everyone listening, if you have a dollar, throw it to a tree. Actually, a dollar would be about like six and a half trees. If, you know, Actually, if you get 10 bucks, just watch the movie. You get, you get something for it. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. Well, Hank, thank you so much for being on Subject Change. And everyone else, thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you for listening to Subject Change. Please like, subscribe, leave a review of our podcast. And if you have any questions, if there's a business you would like to see featured on our podcast or a niche or something you want to learn about, drop us a message or an email and let us know. Be happy to, to interview someone and answer those questions. Thanks again for listening.